0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He stopped intentionally in the prime of his professional career to exchange football for faith. He spent six years on the gridiron field for Al Davis and the last 15 in the mission field for Jesus. Number 26 now lives for number one. We're joined today in studio by the senior pastor of the Well Church, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. And Pastor, great to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. How does a kid from Lompoc wind up at the University of Washington on a full-ride scholarship, big star up there, you're still in all of their <laughs> Hall of Fame records in Washington, and then wind up playing for the Raiders for a half a dozen years, and I think four of those you were the lead rusher, and then suddenly just decide, prime of your career, could have spent another ten years easily on the field, if not more. You know what? I'm done. God's taking
1: me in a whole new direction. How does that happen? <laughs> God, <laughs> you know, I, um, when I gave my life to the Lord, you know, I, I quickly started realizing that, um, that God had a call in my life, uh, to preach the gospel. And so, uh, while I was playing with the Raiders, you know, five, five, five of those years there, uh, I was also, uh, sharing my faith with my teammates for three of those years. I was the, uh, I was kind of like the the team chaplain. We would have Bible studies. I had the privilege of uh, baptizing my teammates, all those things. So I I really, you know, Craig, I really felt the call of God in my life. And so uh through a series of events and conversations with my my pastor and my wife and and just doing my due diligence and making sure that I got all the counsel that I needed, I really was confirmed in my heart that God was calling me to put my cleats down and devote my time uh, to, to ministry and to serving people in the community. And so it, it wasn't an easy thing to do, but I always tell people what I did was not a matter of reason. It was simply a matter of obedience. I knew God had confirmed and had told me that this is what he wanted me to do. So I was willing to step out in faith and be obedient. Had you been raised in the church? No. So I, I grew up, uh, uh, you know, we were CME, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter, and so a free time <laughs> of year. <laughs> so we would go, we would go periodically to church and whatnot. But but we didn't have a strong foundation in our home, and so uh, no, I did not, I did not grow up in church. I I like to say that God got me off the streets. You know what I mean? So, and that's basically uh, that's basically uh, the situation there.
0: One of your teammates when you were playing for the Raiders, uh, Jerome Davidson, yeah. shared his faith. How did that all come about?
1: Well you know i I tell people all the time you know you you don't you don't come to God, God comes to you, and you're you respond and so for for us, for me, God had been really drawing me. I could tell that God over over a year's time, even more than that, but that pressure was I started feeling like God's trying to get my attention, and I would tell my teen team, teammates you know i feel like I feel like like Jesus is trying to get my attention, man, I feel something's going on. So I felt God really calling me. And uh, one day where we I practice in Napa in training camp and uh, Jerome saw me over there. He was a strong Christian on the team. He saw me over there and he said, hey, Napoleon, he said, hey, man, you don't even look like the type of guy to be out here cussing and acting crazy like the rest of these guys. Don't you know that God can use your life? And when he said that, that, he didn't know God had already been dealing with me and God just used him it was like a, like a hammer, just boom, freight train. Yeah. Boom. You know, straight to the point. Mm -hmm. So I went to my room that night and, uh, I got on my knees all by myself uh, in my room in training camp. And I just asked the Lord to forgive me for the life that I had lived because, you know, I had been to church. I knew, you know, about praying the sinner's prayer and different things like that. Uh, I just got on my knees and prayed how I knew how to pray and just ask God to forgive me for what I had done and and ask him to come into my life and and to change me and to make me you know uh, a better person and so I came that next morning I came to draw I said hey man I gave my life to Jesus last night he was like what what are, you, what are you talking about I said I went to my room last night man I gave my life to Christ I want to I want to walk with Jesus I want to know I want you to help me and so we literally would have Bible studies every day uh, and just, just I just be got discipled uh, because it was during the season I couldn't go to church or anything like that because uh, on Sundays, you know, obviously I'm working. So we, I, my, my salvation experience was all about discipleship, one-on-one praying with people, uh, and then eventually I got incorporated into church and then uh, began to grow even more, but. Just ironically, that's, how, that's exactly what we see as the biblical model. That, that's that's how I got saved. Precisely, I got saved. I was I was not in a church. I was I was out, I was out on the football field, and somebody ministered to me. I went back to my room and gave my life to Christ, and I never and I never looked back. Craig,
0: was that a hard transition for you though, Napoleon? No. I asked that question
1: because it's about the money, the high no. life you're living, the life yeah. you're traveling, yeah, the yeah.
0: babes, all that.
1: I was re- my heart was ready though. You know, I I had done. You know, I've seen it. I, like I tell people in my church, I've seen it a lot. You know, I've seen it. All, I've seen it all. You know, and so uh, I was done. I'm done. I mean, I want to. I want to live right. I want to do us right. I want my life to be changed. I want to change. And so you can have money. And I tell people all the time, I wasn't down and out. I was up and out. And so I want my life to change. And uh, and what I mean by that is, from the inside out, I wanted to be changed. And so when I started reading my Bible and starting to get an understanding of the lifestyle that Jesus can provide by his grace and through his power and through the influence of the Spirit of God, I was all in. And that's what I wanted. What year was this? This is 1996, 20 96. years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago.
0: So you stayed with the team another four or five years. Yeah, five years. The transition out of? What is this, was it as much as you leaving
1: football as it was going to the ministry? Well, you know, it was a combination. You know, I love football, you know. Football is my passion. You know, I love it a lot. Well, I shouldn't say it's my passion. Christ is my passion, but football is something that I am passionate about. And God's obviously given you a gift for it. Yeah, and I love it. You know, I think it's a great game. It teaches you a lot of great things. But like I stated... Jesus became my passion, you know. I was passionate about football, but Jesus became my passion. When I started reading the scriptures and and, and seeing the life and seeing, you know, his compassion, his love for people, but then also uh, the truth that he brought to people's lives, and then as I started seeing God working in my life and me developing and cultivating my personal intimacy with the Lord and and learning to walk with Jesus, listen to his voice and, and all those things, I mean for me that just became that's that's my passion he's my passion and I love ministry but ministry isn't my life either Jesus is my life and so that just became like the bedrock for what I'm even doing now was there an event or what transpired to lead to the
0: ultimate decision to leave the Raiders, and, and your your wife, Nicole, yeah. pastors with you. Yeah, she's
1: a children's ministry When yeah.
0: you sat down with her and said, Honey, <laughs> how did that conversation go in the decision to retire from football and decide to go open up eventually uh, this little storefront church, which, of
1: course, is not a little storefront no, church anymore no, by a long shot? Yeah. How did that conversation go? How did that decision go? Well, you know, one of the things that's such a beautiful thing about my relationship with my wife is— when I, got, when I gave my life to Christ, me and my wife, I had the privilege of also leading my wife to Christ. And so we basically have grown up in the faith together. And uh, my wife is a God-fearing woman. She trusts God. She knew that—and that, then I did my due diligence. And so she was one that was also able to confirm to me, hey, this is what God's saying. We need to do what God's asking us to do, and if He's asking us to do it, you know, let's go. I'm with you, honey. And so, uh, you know, my pastor confirmed it too. Pastor David Tracy down at Gateway City Church. He, he said, "Hey, man, this is what God's asking you to do. Let's let's go. We you got support from me. We love you. Let's let's see what God will do." What did your teammates say? My teammates knew, also because because I would preach to them every day, and I would I would pastor them and love on them. And I, and, you know, that was my passion in terms of the call of God. They knew that I was going to follow Jesus and I was already preaching to them all the time. So they were like, dude, you need to go preach somewhere, man. <laughs> you need to go preach. You need to go preach. You, you just in love with Jesus, man. And you just, this is what you want to do with your life. Go for it. So they weren't Tim Brown, James Jett, Steve Wisniewski. None of those guys were really surprised.
0: If you've just joined our conversation, in studio today, Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, Senior Pastor at the Well Church in Livermore. We'll get back to more of our visit as Lifeline continues right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline on this edition of the program. We are really delighted to have in studio with us today the uh, Senior Pastor of... The Well Christian Church in Livermore. He is Pastor Napoleon Kaufman. Also got a broadcast here on KFAX. We'll talk a bit about that later on. But we were mentioning just before the break, Pastor, about that, that transition. Yeah. It sounds like this has largely been a matter of God slowly dripping into your life, consuming you at a lot of levels, in a lot of yeah. ways. and And finally then, that walking away from the football field doesn't sound like
1: it was a hard thing to do for you at all. You know, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. But uh but it was something and I think part of it, just like I said, you know, I went through the process, I got wise counsel, I prayed with people. You know, I'll never forget uh one of my one of my the first pastor that I had when I first got saved and converted, his name was Pastor James Davis. And when I called Pastor James and I said, uh, you know, I feel like God's Calling me to stop playing football and you know go full time in the in the ministry and whatnot and and all of a sudden Craig he got quiet for like a minute he just sat there quiet on the on the phone and so we we weren't weren't saying anything he was just very quiet and he said to me he said uh, he said son I was afraid he was going to do this to you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he said, I knew there was going to come a day when he was going to call you to put down your cleats and to vote to, and to devote your time uh, to ministry like this. He said, I knew. He said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that was it. And so it was, it was things, it were, it, there were things like that that, Comforted my heart but but I loved the fact that no one ever told me the road was gonna be easy, but you gotta be obedient. And so we did it and got us, you know, obviously far away my expectations. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was a transition, but as long as I know I'm in the will of God, I'm happy. Was there a point once you left the field you
0: started the small church, mm-hmm. a half a dozen or a dozen people, mm-hmm. kind of a storefront
1: yeah. operation. Yeah, 15 families.
0: Was there a moment when you said, what am I doing?
1: Was you there any of that? No, I never did because, you know, I just, like I said, as long as I knew I was in the will of God, the stuff that I was going to have to endure, I'm okay with that as long as I know that this is where God wants me. A lot of times people, they... They think that if God calls calls you, there's always going to be favorable circumstances, and the road map's going to be all that, that, laid it. out for you, know precisely but see, where you're going. I wasn't taught like that. Yeah. I was taught that the road may be rough, but you got to go. You got to go with God, no matter what. And so for me, it was just a, such a blessing to be able to sit back and and watch the the peaks and the valleys, and then realize that even the valleys that you have are designed to protect you and to prepare you and to in some cases propel you on to to greater things that God has in store for you. Some people listening right
0: now but say, Pastor Napoleon, I hear what you're saying. I'm just not sure how to identify what God's will is for my life. Amen. How do I know? How do I how do I how do I get quiet enough to
1: be able to hear that still small voice to know? You know, I think one of the things that has helped me is realizing that it's easier to hear god's voice when you've died to yourself mm. you know sometimes the 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 main distraction is your desire your your will you know what you want what you want to do once you can quiet that voice then god's voice becomes more pronounced now for me also obviously i want to make sure that i'm doing things that are biblically right i want to make sure that i'm doing things that that I'm taking time to get counsel from people around me that I know have a good track record of hearing from God, like my pastor and others, and my elders in my church. They know how to hear the voice of God. They can bring confirmation. God will always bring confirmation. But the greatest distraction in in my life, uh, when I've had distractions like this or I have con- moments of confusion, is is that my voice and my or my desire. Is speaking so loud that I can't I can't hear God so death to self gives you more of a listening ear God not your will not my will but your will be done and it's interesting because some people might say that they
0: have struggled with this because they've tried to lower the volume of all the voices from the outside. <laughs> Look at your life. <laughs> it's not the on voice the field, outside. They're yelling at yeah, you, yeah, the yeah. cheerleaders with the pom-poms. You've won awards, broken records, all of it. Yeah. A lot of noise on the outside, and yet the real distraction is not the noise on the outside, but it's, it's, it's dealing with self. You, you wore a T-shirt Amen. I saw in the pulpit one day. Uh, folks can see videos uh, that you have up on the, the well church.net website uh want to live die
1: yeah if you want to live die that's you know that's that's the thing if if you you got to deny yourself take up your cross and follow follow him and so that's the reason why it was easier for me to hear the voice of God in that moment when I had to make that decision is because I really in my mind at that moment was like I don't I don't really care I just want to know that I'm in God's will
0: the biggest challenge, perhaps, for a lot of us is just that whole process of surrendering. So we want to be in charge. We like to be in control. I can look in the mirror and see me and know who's in charge. Yes. God, well, you know, a little abstract. Sometimes I hear him. Yeah. Sometimes I don't. Some days I feel him. Other days I don't. Yeah. But me, I can get up and I can look myself in the mirror and say, okay, yeah. I know who's in charge here. Yeah. And that's one of the big challenges for a lot of folks, it's, isn't it?
1: It's the, it's the last thing to go is your will. You know, people want to give God their mind, they give God their heart, but have you? are you willing in their emotions and whatnot, have you given God your will? If he asks you to do something, are you willing to surrender your will over to him? And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I know for me in my personal life is been a, such a blessing because then when you do that, God turns around and he does things that you never thought, I never dreamed I'd be doing the stuff I'm doing right now, but you just watch You just get in in the flow with God, and you follow His finger, and then He does stuff that just far outweighs your expectation, you know. But I was willing to do that in that moment, and it's been a blessing.
0: In that process, have you discovered that the satisfaction, personally, is far greater when you surrender and as you find yourself living in obedience to God— that that obedience produces the ultimate sense of satisfaction. And I ask that question because, yeah, your running back satisfaction yeah, of yeah, gaining yeah. the yardage, scoring
1: touchdowns, scoring touchdowns,
0: <laughs> screaming. making the money. You came that close to getting the Super Bowl ring oh, if you'd stayed one goodness. more year know, at the Raiders. Um, there's a great sense of satisfaction. People yeah. oftentimes find their satisfaction in the things, in stuff, or in money, or in. The nameplate on the door, the car parked in the garage, and yet I have to wonder, has your experience with God been such that the more you have yielded, died to self, yielded to His will and been obedient, do you find the satisfaction level in life has gone up exponentially?
1: Oh, yeah, because for me, it's just, there's nothing, it's one thing, you're playing for Al Davis, you score a touchdown, Al Davis is is cheering. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when, you know, you score a touchdown and the black hole is cheering. But then it's another thing when you are obedient to God and do what he says and you know that he's cheering. Mm-hmm. And I tell this to guys all the time. It's an audience of one. You know, it's an audience of one. Are you doing, is what, you do, is what you're doing right now is it making him happy? Does it make him smile? Does it does it bless him? And that's the thing that, at the end of the day, is going to matter. I've been in stadiums. You know, I've played in two Rose Bowl. i got a national championship ring. I've played in the best, biggest stadiums in this country, all that stuff. But those same stadiums, you know, if you do good, you know, they're going to cheer you on. But then if you fumble one time, the ball and they're going to be booing. booing. <laughs> you, know? <Yeah. laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the, the issue here is... On that day, will Jesus look you in the eye and say, well done, thou good and faithful is servant? Is it a
0: matter of then exchanging little picture for big picture? And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, that success on the gridiron can be fleeting, as you just yes, And oftentimes we get caught up on the stuff that we are doing that in our mind and our perspective is the big stuff. Mm-hmm. The career, the house, money in the bank. The vacations, all of that. All, all the stuff that the world uses as a yardstick to measure success. Exactly. And yet as much as we think that's our big picture, the fact of the matter is that isn't a big picture at all. Because in God's economy, that, that's a nanosecond on the radar screen of all of eternity. Yes. And so maybe part of this then is, is to learn to change our perspective yeah. to see he- his big picture.
1: Exactly, and that's what I try to tell guys. And I have, you know, I'm the team chaplain for the Raiders, so I have guys that I'm with these guys all the time. I have a super middleweight, you know, former super middleweight champion of the world. Andre Ward is a member of my church. I talk to these guys. I get a chance to talk to these athletes. The thing that I try to tell them is this. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the touchdowns. Enjoy, but keep it in its proper perspective, just like you said. Keep it in its proper place. Enjoy your hey, I put on my national championship ring and I I, I go blingy and, sure. and you know let them hey this is what we accomplished, you know. All that is good, but it's in the proper perspective and place and category in your life. Nothing comes before Christ and your eternal rewards. And so there has to be a balance there. Uh and we try to do the best that we can. I try to in my own personal life to have that balance. I'm a head football coach, we want to win. I don't want to go out there and get beat every time we play, but it's in its proper perspective.
0: We're visiting today in studio with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well Church. By the way, information available on the web at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. Brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to The Conversation. Napoleon Kaufman is with us today in studio. Oakland Raiders number 26. Now serving number one, Jesus, senior pastor at the Well Church in Livermore. Information, by the way, on the web at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. We were talking a bit about coaching before the break. Mm. Um, You're now coaching in addition to, well, I guess you're coaching at a couple of levels. (laughs) You coach at church. You coach on the football field for uh, Bishop O'Dowd. Um, what's that like? You made the transition from sitting underneath the coach, and now God is saying, I am equipping you to help coach others, not hmm. just the young men on the field. and I guess a couple of your boys are under Damn. your tutelage too. That must be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's amazing because when I got the call, they wanted me to, to interview for the job and whatnot. I sat down with my staff, sat down with my wife, you know, because I'm a pastor. And I said, you know, what do you guys think about this? You know, do you guys think that what do you I want you all to pray about this with me? And so unanimously, uh, everyone was like, Pastor, this is ministry. You get an opportunity to pour into the life of these young men, just like somebody poured into your life and helped you as a coach. You're going to be able to get into the community there in Oakland. You're going to be able to get a chance to to reach kids that You know, maybe other people don't get a chance to reach and uh, and coach them up and be a blessing to them, you know. And so when I took the job, the principal over there, Pam Shea, former principal, she said, Coach, we know that you're a pastor. And these were her words. She said, Coach, I want you to pastor my kids. I want you to pastor my kids. And that just for me was like, this is it. You know, so I get a chance to go in. And really try to be a blessing to the kids. We're teaching them the game of football, but we're also teaching them about life, and that's that's been huge for us. So it's been great. And and the transition hasn't been that big because you know I'm around football all the time. I know the game. Uh, it's just you know the administrative stuff you got to work through, but it's ministry. And I think about
0: many eavesdropping on our conversation right now that would say, you know, I've been looking for a place. I'm just not sure where God wants me to be. I. I Boy, wouldn't it be great to be on the radio or have a church or something? But, you know, I, maybe that's not what God is calling me to, to do. But everybody is really called, in a sense, to be a mentor, aren't they? I mean, whether we use it in that terminology or talk about discipling. Yes. This, this is something that every one of us gets to do and should be doing. I, I'm struck by the fact that even in your faith walk, You experienced firsthand what true discipleship is all about. You mentioned you weren't going to church on Sundays. You were at work on Sundays. But men spent time with you, poured love into you, showed you the way, taught you the Word, taught you how to study the Word, modeled Christ's character, And that really
1: is the truest definition of discipleship, isn't it? Yeah. I tell tell our church all the time, each one of you has a sphere of influence that God wants you to impact. Get out and influence. Stop thinking that the church is going to grow because we have more events here at this church. Well, Pastor, you just got to preach the (laughs) sermons a little bit better, and (laughs) it'll grow. It's your job. no, 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 no. You get out. Everybody is called to do the work of an evangelist. And so we get out. We do the work of an evangelist and we reach our spheres of influence with the gospel so for me i do my thing on sunday i'm at i'm at work all week you know doing ministry and then in the afternoon i go out and i get out and get outside the walls and go and try to impact my sphere of influence uh, with the gospel and so uh yeah it's it's a no-brainer everybody should everybody has a sphere of influence let god use you to impact that sphere of influence stop thinking it's It's another event that's going to do it. And so uh, that's what we preach at our church, and that's what I try to model for our church by doing what I'm doing Mm -hmm. now on the high school level. But we've been doing this for years. And and some might say, well, wait a minute now. You've
0: got this huge platform. You went from this small church, 15 families. Yeah. You've got 83,000 square feet now. That had to be scary when you signed that agreement. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) you're on radio. You're on television. You're speaking. You're traveling. You have this huge platform that God has given you, mm-hmm. and yet you stop in moments and you do the one-on-one, which really goes back full circle then to your life's testimony that it's that that personal touch. Uh, we got caught up, I think, sometimes in God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that none should perish all should have everlasting life. Jesus Christ died for the entire world, and yet we're not called to save the world. We're called each one reach one. And as we do that, guess what? If we're all doing our job, that matter of reaching the entire world will take care of itself, won't it?
1: And that's, that's what it was designed to do. Jesus designed it, designed the system to work like that, that everybody does their part to reach their sphere of influence. And I think uh, unfortunately we've we've gone we've we become so event driven that people haven't taken their personal responsibility to impact uh, their sphere. And so I really challenge our church in that. Um we have a ministry in our church called Reach One, Reach One Ministry. It's our evangelistic arm of our church where we 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 even try to equip people to this is how you go out and and have an impact in your community. So Uh, And then, like I said, we as leaders try to model that. And, of course, the irony is the
0: mission field is all around us. I mean, not only is the Bay Area perhaps the most incredible cross-section of any mission field anywhere on planet Earth because I don't know of anywhere else you could go where you could find literally every mission field you can think of Yes, from every color, every language, every tribe of every continent, that all calls the San Francisco Bay Area home. There, yes. There's probably no melting pot, do we call it, equal to this anywhere in the world. Mm. So in terms of being able to learn what real missions is all about,
1: it's right here. Yeah, go to your neighbor. And, and, then, you think <laughs> exactly, exactly. There.
0: and then you think of your sphere of influence of so the people that you work with, the people that you commute with, the people that you live next door to, the opportunity there to do exactly what Jerome Davison did with you exactly. all those years ago. It's right there in front of every one of us, isn't
1: it? It's right there. But people are so busy, and in some cases people are so selfish, that they, they're not thinking about how can I impact somebody else's life with the gospel. You know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I mean, you can, you can get into this, and you can change this law. You can do this. The bottom line is people's lives will not change until they invite God in. And so we're the messengers. We got to get the message to them. And you'd be surprised how many times I talk to people, even kids at my school, they, you know, I don't, a Bible, you know, where can I get one of those at? You know, it's like, so the point is, we got to get out, put our boots to the ground, and start working for Jesus. And there really is... uh...
0: A huge hunger out there, isn't there? I, I, I mean, believe there is. You see it when you, talk, see when you work
1: it. with these kids. You see it, yeah. I see it when I talk to the kids, I see it at my church. I see that there's people that are hungry out there. We just Jesus said, The harvest is ready, it's the laborers mm-hmm. that are few. So, we as Christians come home at the end of the day, we're tired,
0: we're worn out, we're taling, dealing with you know paying taxes, raising money to <laughs> pay the mortgage, take care of the kids, all that stuff. Then we'll sit in the evening and scream at the TV set as we watch. <laughs> The craziness of the political cycle yeah, yeah. or the latest protest march. Tragically, people getting killed on the streets every single day. And we scream at the TV, why doesn't somebody do something? Where is God yeah. in all of this?
1: You know what? The, and the, the thing for me is, is we're trying to ask the government to do something that the church was anointed and called to do. Mm. And for us, we got we to gotta realize that Jesus wants us to get out, share our faith keep preaching the gospel don't compromise it don't water it down let let people know that there's hope in Jesus that Jesus and until people's hearts change their life is not going to change and the thing that's going to change people's hearts is 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 the gospel is is God getting into their lives you've just
0: opened the potential Pandora's box here. So I'm going to pause on <laughs> okay. that because I want you to elaborate, but I don't want to have to interrupt you. We're going to take a quick station break, get you updated on traffic, come back to more of our conversation. Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from the Well Church in Livermore with us today in studio. More information, by the way, about his ministry, the radio broadcast, times are refreshing, and details about the church at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. A brief timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation, thewellchurch.net. That's the website to get more information about the pulpit ministry and the overall ministry of the Well Church in Livermore. And uh, Napoleon, of course, also has a radio broadcast here on KFAX. Details again on the web at kfax.com. We were talking just before the break about the sense that a lot of people are frustrated right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing that borne out in this election cycle that we're going yeah. through. We're seeing it borne out in the headlines of every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, we've seen a ratcheting up of violence taking place in communities. Hardly a week goes by that you don't hear about somebody being shot by the police, shooting the police protest over the same, court cases, acts of terrorism. But specifically to the point of what's going on in our country today, if we look at the protest marches that took place in the 1950s and 60s, uniquely the church was at the head of every one of those. Mm -hmm. And the church's leadership ultimately led to changing of hearts which led to the changing of the law. The point that many in our communities today bring about in terms of the restlessness that's going on right now, the tensions that's there between the authorities, between the community, et cetera, the one component that seems to be missing is we want change from the government. We want the judges to act differently, we want the police to act differently, we want the citizens to act differently. We're, 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 we're insisting that there has to be some change, and it's true, there has to be some change. You're going to wind up killing each other. Mm-hmm. And yet the one component that I'm not hearing talked about the loudest is the church's role in not following behind all of this, but taking the leadership role and saying, to change our world, we must begin by changing hearts and changing lives one by one. Do you agree is that a missing component yeah, here that's, today?
1: that's that's it. I mean, I don't know Jesus didn't say there was some type of other way. That's the way. If you want to if you want to change I was just preaching at my church and I told our church I said, "Listen, if you want to if you if we really want to have strong impact and change, number 1, people's individuals lives is, lives need to be changed. Okay? Number 2, if we're going to have change, we need strong marriages. If we need if we're going to have change, we need strong families. If we're going to have change, strong families help us to have strong cities. If we have if we're going to have change, strong cities, have strong states, and then strong states have strong, you know, country. It it has to it is it has to go like that. And uh but the but the but the church has to be that that entity in the earth that is designed to be in the world, but not of the world, not get swayed in all these various directions that the devil really is trying to bring all the confusion and sway people. And, uh, and then we have to con- stay consistent with our message. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. If we If we stick to preaching the gospel, talking about Jesus, and do what we're supposed to do, then... People have somewhere to turn for an alternative for their life. But unfortunately, the devil is so corrupt, corrupted, you know, even the forms some aspects of the church to that to the point where there's so many biases on 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 different levels. And there's racism and reverse racism and everything else going on so that the church isn't having the impact that it it could have if it would stick to the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection of the gospel. Um, obviously, we 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 need to vote um, as the Spirit of God leads us. But the problem that we have is there's so many different biases and people are making decisions totally based on their quote unquote parties that in my mind we've lost if if we're if we're trying to get power from the world then we're going to lose the power that comes from God and through his spirit to effect ha- change. Do we have it backwards? And by that I ask,
0: we want change in Washington, D.C. We want Congress to make change. We want the president to make change. Christians will look at Second Chronicles 7.14 and say, God, make some change. God, do something. It's as if we're looking for a top-down change. And yet I think what you're suggesting is the power of change is really from the bottom up it's from the people exactly. moving up it's from the people of god moving up we we want we're, we're waiting on god to do something god is saying wait a minute i've given you my spirit i've given you my word i've given you my son i've given you salvation i've given you power what more do you need from me you i'm know what, waiting on you, you. Well, is this that right? is
1: what happens the people the people in in my opinion sometimes people are like israel when they went into the wilderness they 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 want the leeks and the garlic <laughs> When Jesus is saying, what about me? Yeah, it's, Well, you know, we we got to put th- the person that's in the White House isn't Jesus. And the, the thing is, if we would learn, and obviously, government is important. I love government. I love, I love, you know, I pray for everybody. I don't care who's in the White House. I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to believe God for them. But the, the, the issue here is. If we vacate our power as a church, and we, in order to gain power from a political standpoint, then whether we realize it or not, we just taken a step down. Mm-hmm. The church has the power. We got the power of the Holy Spirit. We got the power of God. God can do anything. He's waiting for the church to rise up and be who we're called to be in the earth, and not get polluted and infected and, you know, defiled by all the stuff that's going on in the world.
0: Your own life testimony when we began this conversation is how a changed heart leads to a changed life. Exactly. And when you talk about things about modeling, mentoring, discipling, if we would just concentrate then, I think you're suggesting, on our sphere of influence— in each one reach one, that we are doing our job to reach those within our sphere of yes. influence. And then as they are reached, they reach others. And it, it's the and exponential it becomes a, growth.
1: Yeah, because an unstoppable force.
0: Mm-hmm. Twelve guys started all this. Look where we're at today. <laughs> Then there are hundreds of millions of people on planet Earth, more, that name Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior 2,000 years after his death, burial, and resurrection. So it proves, then, that this exponential growth that God, by his very nature and design, built into the capacity of the church to develop and grow through multiplication of the process called discipleship really works. And you're saying, if we just concentrate on that— Eventually,
1: God, then, will will see through the change from the bottom up. Because ultimately, like I keep saying, until people's hearts change, the world is never going to change. But the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, and we have, we're the ones that are supposed to be teaching people how to get their hearts changed through Jesus Christ. Well, and that's, and there's power in that. But if we, if, we, if we vacate that for some other form of power, however we like to say it or influence, whatever it is, then what happens is we may be putting a Band-Aid on something, but we're not getting to the root of the issue. People need to be born again. And the amazing thing is that it's, we find it easy to give up, not
0: so easy to surrender, though, especially when it comes to surrendering our yes. hearts and lives to Christ. Yes,
1: because you know what? hey, most people aren't used to, to, to really fighting back, mm. you know? And for me, my prayer is, is, as a church, we rise up, be who God has called us to be, and that will be good enough. That will be good enough to make, to make the change that God is looking for us to make. But if we become watered down, we become affected by, by or defined by the world, we let the world define who we should be and put us in our little corner and don't do anything, then we we won't have the impact, and the devil wins. And we're challenged not to reflect the culture, but to change the culture. That's right, to bring the kingdom, to bring the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did. The kingdom of God is at hand. We're, we're to reflect that and to display that and to proclaim that, herald that, to let people know, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And um, yeah, the world is, Jesus never said the world was, he said the world was gonna fall apart. Our job is to draw people into the kingdom and fight back darkness as best that we can. Uh, but unfortunately now, and it's sad to say it, Craig, people, you know, what is the church doing? Yeah, we're, we're,
0: we're scared to be salt, we're intimidated and we don't mind turning the light on, but we put it underneath the bushel basket instead of on top of it. Amen. And that's a big challenge. You've given us, I think, much to consider today, Pastor. I sure appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come in and to visit. We invite listeners. If you're maybe new to the Bay Area looking for a new church home, uh, check out The Well Church. They're located at 2333 Neeson Drive in Livermore. Information available on the web at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. We also invite you to tune in to Pastor Napoleon Kaufman's broadcast, Times of Refreshing, right here on on KFAX, where at least in every broadcast you'll hear at least one time, give me an amen, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Kaufman, thanks so much for coming in. It's been a delight visiting with you. Greg, this has been my pleasure. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.